Take nothing, want nothing, give all. Life can throw us unexpected challenges at times. You expect peace and chaos results. You anticipate smooth sailing and stormy seas hit hard. That's the curve life's throwing me right now, and I've had to pray to settle my anxious thoughts. My first instinct was to fight back, of course, unsuccessfully. My second was to rail the heavens for justice. Then my third was to say, God, I surrender. And only then did he answer. Take nothing, want nothing, give all. Finally, with these words, calm settled over me. Not to say that I haven't had to repeat them over and over again as the fretting return, but it's these words that's helped me and guided me through this tumultuous time. So, beloved, <laughs> here we are again, learning together a lesson from my life moments that I hope will resonate with yours. This time, my searching took me to the lesson on dying to self. And I once again discovered that this is the essence of the Christian life. A helpful online Bible source explained, death to self is not an option for Christians. It is a choice that leads to eternal life. And indeed, scripture abounds with instructions on this essential point of surrender. When Peter declared to Jesus that he should not suffer and die, Jesus followed up his stern rebuke with this warning. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Jesus had already explained his willingness to surrender not only his will, but his very life to redeem the lost and knew that his disciples needed to follow the same path. In fact, he told the large crowd who was hanging on his every word that the heart of discipleship was surrender. If you do not carry your own cross, he said, and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Because we've probably repeated this phrase so many times, we don't actually visualize what Jesus is talking about. But think of this for a moment. The typical Roman cross would have weighed 300 pounds, and the crossbeam that Jesus was forced to carry on his wounded back would have weighed between 70 to 90 pounds. I can certainly tell you that if I was carrying such a heavy wooden beam, I wouldn't be able to hold even an additional feather in my hand. Jesus' hearers would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying. It's all or nothing with me. If you carry your cross, you let go of worldly things. This is the instruction that Paul gives the Colossians, saying, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Having walked this journey already himself, Paul gave the Galatians similar instructions. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He proceeds in chapter 5 to say that this is the road all followers of Christ must walk. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Then returning to his own decision of service and surrender, Paul closes the Corinthian, or I'm sorry, the Galatian letter with this final word. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Whereas Paul tells the Ephesians to throw off your old sinful nature, he is more forceful with the Romans, telling them to put to death the deeds of the body through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he instructs them that this is the purpose of baptism, reminding them that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Indeed, he goes on, when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. In reviewing these scriptures, we can readily see that choosing to follow Christ means choosing to surrender our lives to our old ways and coming alive to the ways of God. Peter, in his final words to the church, indicated that this journey of faithful submission is a continuous lifelong one, indicating that it means that we won't spend the rest of our lives chasing our own desires, but we'll be anxious to do the will of God. This all sounds great and doable until the test comes, until what we want is contrary to what God wants. Then we start to quibble. Screwtape, the erstwhile demon instructor in C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, seemed to understand human weakness quite well as he instructs his underling nephew that humans rarely pray for the thing God wants them to pray for. They simply want enough grace to see them through some moment or time of trouble. They conjure up a vision of the future they want and appeal for that outcome. The most difficult prayer for us to voice, says Dr. D.W. Ekstrand, is not my will, but thine be done. These words were strained through sweats of blood by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he faced the agony of the cross that was about to come upon him. Yet in his case, it wasn't just the physical torture, which was excruciating, or the moral torture in bearing the weight of the sin of the entire world for all time, but the anguish of being separated from his eternal communion with the Heavenly Father. Have we ever endured so much? Of course not. And yet Jesus willingly bore all of this and still surrendered to the Father's will, and that needs to be an example to us. Are there other biblical examples that we can look for and to see as such a surrendered life? One interesting story with a curious twist is Israel's king Ahab. He was under attack by another king who demanded all of Ahab's silver and gold as well as his wives and children. King Ahab agreed without hesitation, but then the king demanded everything that you consider valuable. 
Wait a minute, Ahab responded. I gave up the silver and gold and wives and children, but you can't have what I consider valuable. And so war ensued. Why do I recount this story? Well, because sometimes in our negotiation with God, we readily agree to give him various things that really aren't of worth to us. But when God asks us to surrender those things that are valuable, we start to balk. Often we don't even realize what we're holding on to until we're challenged to yield it to the will of God. My mom felt that way years ago when as a first time mother, she delivered a premature baby girl. The baby's chances of survival were slim to none. And in an effort to minister to his sister, my mom's brother encouraged her to pray, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Her answer, no way. God can have many things, but he can't take my baby girl. Fortunately, by the grace of God, my sister Sharon survived, but my 96-year-old mother recounts this story, and yet today she adds, we need to do the will of God. Abraham went through just such a challenge when God called him. Take your son, your only son, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. We are not told of the anguish that Abraham went through in hearing and then obeying this instruction. And we were only told that the next morning he got up early, saddled his donkey, and took his son and two servants to the mountain. He was prepared to surrender his most beloved, most valuable thing in his life, his precious son, Isaac. He obeyed without hesitation or question. And because he was willing to yield his most precious child, God blessed him and called him his friend. Jim Elliott, who was martyred in Ecuador in his attempt to evangelize the Acre people, wrote seven years earlier at the age of 21, one does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. It's hard, isn't it? to surrender all things to Jesus, a career, a position, a relationship, money, a personal desire or expectation, our most valuable, beloved object of our affection. What challenges are you facing today? What has God asked you to surrender? Perhaps the lesson God gave me will help you today. Take nothing, want nothing, give all. Christ lived this instruction completely, and if we're his disciples, he calls us to do the same. God bless you, beloved. God bless you.